Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is episode 30-something, is it, of football and random things? Can we say it's officially the, the first of the 2019 football season now? Oh, here we go. Season 2, episode 1. Nice. Of football and random things. It only took us a couple months, a month at least, to, to start season between. 2. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we made it. We had to reload. We had to. Netflix we had, had to re-up. We don't. We don't rebuild. We retool. You know, with the same two people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was contract dispute. <laughs> I would believe it with you, prima donna. Yeah. Bitch, better have my money. Recording today in the Carl Chevrolet studios. Jeff knows the wonders of Carl Chevrolet. I do. Did you trade in a vehicle there? Or did you just go and get uh, one? I just went and leased one. And sold one, or sold my car that I had third party. Um, but every time I go in there for service, it's exemplary service. Nice people. Vehicles always taken care of. Couldn't be, a, couldn't ask for more, a, a more, well, like a, a less stressful place to get your vehicle serviced. Top notch service there at Carl Chevrolet. Your dealer for life in Ankeny, exit 90 at the Rock, and Carl Chevrolet Stewart. Also. Want to tell you, uh, Jeff, do you like country music? I do, yeah. Like, what kind of country music do you uh, like? So I'm going to go with, uh, I, I will call it good. And I, in the same sense that, like, Kendrick Lamar is good uh-huh. rap music versus, like, XXSTentacion or whatever is not. And so quality versus, so like, big fan of, like, Chris Stapleton, big fan of Eric Church, big fan of Zach Brown Band, those guys, good. Well, maybe I can interest you from July 25th to the 27th out in Guthrie Center, the great people of Guthrie Center at the Guthrie, at the Guthrie, Guthrie? the Guthrie River Ruckus. Ooh, man, you're killing me. You are killing me. Just get that, wipe that grin off your face. It's been a month. I haven't been able to dick around with you on air for a month. Let me keep reading about Guthrie River Ruckus, please. You can see Kit, Kit Moore, Chris Cagle, Diamond Rio, Mitchell Tenpenny, and so many more. In one weekend, that is in Guthrie Center, only a 45-minute or 45 minute drive west of the metro. Plus, if you're a Cyclone fan and you log on to their website, GuthrieRiverRuckus.com, there's a limited supply of tickets, by the way. But if you do log on there, you'd use the discount code CYCLONES, you'll get $15 off your tickets. Nice. There yeah. you go, Jeff. I haven't heard. I just made your plans for you for July 25th through the 27th. I, uh, I'll actually be in Illinois with my sister, or excuse me, my cousin is going to have the first baby of the family, of the cousin generation that I have here. Seriously, I give you this awesome deal and you're just going to... My cousin's baby's due date is the 30th. I mean, I'm, I'm, just, gonna, I'm planning I'm on being like, There's limited, limited supply of tickets. Like, this is a once, I, basically if, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Basically, the only thing that's keeping me is like my cousin Jenna's having a baby. And basically, that's the only thing that's keeping me from going to the Guthrie River, River Ruckus. Fair enough. All right. Like I said, Kit Moore, Chris Cagle, Diamond Rio, Mitchell Tenpenny, and a whole lot more. July 25th through the 27th out in Guthrie Center at the Guthrie River Ruckus. Use uh, code CYCLONES for $15 off your tickets. That's your, Baby, for I'm tickets only and not for your camping. You. a little Diamond Rio right there. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, that's exactly what I needed. Another reminder, you can buy Cyclone Fanatic shirts 
teamcloset.com slash cyclonefanatic. And if you like what Jeff does here on Cyclone Fanatic, sometimes I wonder why you would like that. <laughs> You're in for so much more of it now because football season is almost here. But you could also consider donating to our Patreon account monthly. It's safe, secure, it's easy. It's all, only got to be like a dollar. Jeff's probably only worth like a quarter, but um, you know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'd give you a nickel. Well, thanks. I could buy a soda in 1944. That's what your, that's what your contract dispute was over. You wanted to get <laughs> upgraded from, uh, from getting a, one Coke every week to getting uh, a Coke and a sandwich. Do you know how hard it is at McDonald's to drop 10 cents and get a burger and a drink in 1945? I was going to say, I don't think if you dropped 10 cents at McDonald's, you would get anything. <laughs> they would say, hey, dude, you dropped your dime. <laughs> Sir, please leave. Actually, McDonald's. I feel like of, of any place that's going to refuse service, like a McDonald's, is the last place to refuse service to anyone based on appearance or behavior. No, I bet like a, a Walmart. I mean, think about some of the crazy things. Actually, no. A dollar store. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. You get the dollar, the dollar Tree or the Dollar General. Yeah. That's, uh, I feel like that's like the East Sider night of stores. Is that it's this, it's re- you're going to buy things. Like, if you're going to a store, you're going to buy a thing. But, like, the people watching you're going to get on East Saturday night versus the rest of the fair is going to be equivalent to the dif- distance or difference between East Saturday night at Dollar Tree versus going to, I don't know, like a Walgreens, which still, the population that's going to be going in and out of the stores to buy certain specific items is going to be weird. I myself am weird and go into Walgreens, but I'm not. I don't even go to Walgreens, like, as a pharmacy. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember the last time I needed something at a pharmacy. Well, uh, your peak peak health. Yep. Currently. Nice humble humble brag. Humble brag. Yeah. I, uh, All right. Let's start our. I don't use medication. Position because I'm way too big good for everybody. So. Position previews for 2019. Iowa State football. You know what's fun? What's fun? Doing position previews and being able to comfortably say that it might be the best in the Big 12. Yeah. About the offensive line. And so the offensive line. The tight ends and the, or excuse me, defensive line, tight ends and potentially Put like that one in your corner, point. like the secondary is going to still be pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, uh, the offensive line is, is a, a big maybe. All right. Do you want to start there with the defensive line then? We'll start offensive and then get to defense. All right. So we're doing offensive and defensive line today. We'll have some sort of schedule where we do this every week leading up to fall camp. Maybe we'll do like quarterbacks and. We should probably lump quarterbacks and running backs or something like that with each other and then do We'll do the backfield, and then we'll do mm. the defensive backfield. Neat. Sound good? Sounds good. And then we'll do pass catchers and linebackers. So we're lumping tight ends and wide receivers together? Yeah. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So let's start with the offensive line. So read them left to right. Left to right. This is obviously the same group from last year, and I think that just about everybody expects this to be the same group this season. Left tackle Julian Good-Jones. Uh, left guard Colin Olsen, center Colin Newell, right guard Josh Knipfel, and right tackle Bryce Meeker. Why? What do you like? Ex- are you expecting me to say something? You were asking like to ask a question. Oh, okay. What? Well, okay. So, how do you feel about that group of five after they've spent a full year together? Now, well, almost a full year. I think they played nine games together last season. How do you feel about that group going into this year? I feel good about them. Uh, now that they have played a significant amount together. Because like I've talked about with the offensive line before, one of the biggest things about the O-line is not in who's there, but how they work together. So if you have 
five all-stars, but they communicate like garbage, then it's going to be a pretty bad offensive line. But if you have five average guys that communicate in an exemplary way, then you're going to have a pretty good offensive line. And so the fact that they're able to return all five of their guys in the same lineup, potentially, then you're going to be very well off. And now the other part of this is there could potentially, you know, this is, again, a projected starting a lineup. And so you would assume that it's the same. But there might be one or, one or two substitutions or somebody moves or something like that. But I think the best part about having consistent offensive linemen is that not only do they get to communicate with each other, the running backs get to see the same thing fall of last year into spring ball of this year into fall of this year. So they've, they're able to see the same. Um, and so like looking at this, so when I was playing, you'd, you'd have a couple, like your, our right guard, I think was usually um, either Ethan Tufty or Hayworth Hicks, one of the two, and then the left guard would be the other. But if you're running behind Hayworth, Hayworth Hicks is going to move humans. Uh -huh. He may not be exact, like the timing might not be all the right, so you might not get to linebackers all the time, but you're going to get cr space created on that, uh, that defensive line. He's just going to move people backwards. And that's when you go to your patented make people miss moves and you just make the linebackers miss. Me, yes. Yeah. yeah that's, my, that's what I'm saying. That's my thing. Mm -hmm. But you at least know where space is going to be because you have a good feeling. You as a running back then have a good feeling of what the offensive line is going to do. Whereas a guy like... Um, so if we go on the right side with Kniffle and um, Bryce Meeker, Bryce Meeker especially Kniffle, like that's a, that's a, a, a mountain of a human. And so he's going to be probably more of your mauler guy. Where Colin Olsen is more of a technician. Yeah. So he's probably not going to be, you're not going to get the same movement, but you're going to get linebacker climb pretty well. And so you as a running back have a good feeling of what your guys are capable of because you have a whole lot of, of experience behind you. So I think the, it's not necessarily like you like like I was saying. It's not necessarily that they're returning the five specific guys that they're returning that's going to make them better than last year. I think it's the fact that it's the same five guys that they have all seen now since last year. So it it, it bodes very well uh, for Iowa State. But were the problems that they had last year are they going to still be present this year? Because the personality like the people don't change, and if they still have warts that are go that go unfixed. Yeah, then you're not really going to put yourself in much better of a situation if this, the same problems are persistent. 81. I'm trying to count something here. Uh, total starts 94. returned? Yeah. 107 total starts returned. Which is very good. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that's near the top in the country. Right. It, it, conference for sure. That's it. That's just from the starters. There probably were some other guys in there that had started a game right. due to injuries and stuff. Because didn't Foster start at least a few? Uh, Potentially. Yeah, where's he at? Yeah, he did. He started six games. So that bumps you to 113. Um, who played left guard before? Okay, no. Right guard? No. Yeah, okay, I think that's right then. 113. 113 starts returning, which I would guess is the most Iowa State has returned along the offensive line in a very long time. Yeah. And I think you can – but I think you can look at what, you know, especially Julian Good-Jones, who's played in close to – 60 games or 50 games in his college career. Bryce Meeker, he's played in close to 50 games in his college career. Mm -hmm. Kniffle's played in 20-something, almost 30 probably. I mean, these guys have seen everything that you're possibly going to see. You know, there's not going to be anything where they're like blown away by something that is going to surprise them or anything like that. And they know what their buddy's going to be doing. But yeah. so the problems that were there last year. There, um, there's some wise old, some wise old. old they men. are, and, and you can play old man game. You know, we talk, we joke about guy at the YMCA that has 
all sorts of gear and rec specs that yeah. has the sweet turnaround hook shot that you can't block. He's not more athletic than everybody else. He's not uh, a better shooter than everybody else. He's just more skilled to know how to use the least amount of energy to get the greatest amount of result. Uh -huh. And so that, that exists in the offensive line as well. But the problems that were there last year were that they didn't get a lot of movement initially in the run game. And the, the there's a lot of that just based on strength, strength and, and technique, strength and leverage okay. are usually your two things. So mass helps, which is, you know, that's why I think like Kniffle is a big dude. And so you get, uh, so let's say it's six, five, three Oh nine. Yeah. He's a big dude. Whereas like Colin Olson's what? Six, two, six, six, one, six, two, maybe two ninety. Which is again yeah, six one two ninety. It's a big human, but for an offensive lineman, it's relatively small. And so a guy like uh, again, like Good Jones and Olson, Good Jones, his best attribute is his athleticism, where he's very quick with his feet. But a lot of times in I'm going to move you out of the way last year, um, especially because he had moved to left tackle late. There wasn't a whole lot of that where I guess to my it, to my recollection the issue that they had in the run game when they did get stuffed was, or get, not get stagnant, is that the, the front line of the defense was able to keep the offensive line away from the linebackers and not move. And so the offensive line, if they can generate more movement in the run game, it's going to significantly help. So again, you can play a little bit of old man game because um, like I watched a, a Joe Thomas thing because I, like I have a, a football addiction. <laughs> and so just you get sucked down a YouTube wormhole every once in a while. And so I was watching a thing with Joe Thomas where he was saying, you don't need to hit someone really hard. You just need to hit someone in the right spot. And so if you can get, if you can do the same things where you can contact their hip or you can contact them in the ribs, you're not going to need to be, you know, six, five, three fifty. You can be six, one, two ninety and still move someone out of the way. It's just a matter of getting that leverage correct and being strong enough to apply enough force to that spot that it's going to be in the right, or it's going to actually get them to move. So um, if they can generate more movement than they did last year, the communication between them is going to allow them to move better if they can get that movement. So I think that's the big question from last year because pass protection was, to, again, to my recollection, at least okay. The, the pass pro wasn't bad. Yeah, they gave up 31 sacks in 13 games. Which is, again, not, not ideal. Um, not, but I, mean, I think but probably... That's, that's not terrible because, I mean, you, you think about it, they gave up four against Iowa, four against Oklahoma State, six against Texas. So that's already 14 of the 31 in three games. And to, uh, to take that a, a little bit further, too, probably a lot of those in Texas... Texas specifically, but in the other games, a lot of those were Brock's fault is that you have okay protection. Well, not Iowa. Well, yeah, but um, that was probably the offensive line's worst game. Um, but you have with another, again, a, a returning quarterback with a returning offensive line, so long as he's comfortable in the pocket. What I mean by sacks that were his fault were um, say there might be a little bit of pressure coming high on. So if I'm a, a right-handed quarterback and I'm standing in the pocket, my right shoulder is behind me. My left shoulder is downfield. Say there's a guy that's coming towards my right shoulder and that's bringing me some kind of pressure. The great quarterbacks, the ones your Drew Brees is your, you know, your Tom Brady's or those guys are going to take a step forward and settle again. Mm -hmm. It's in that, that, that guy's going to run by him. Your quarterbacks that are a little bit inexperienced that are playing too fast are going to either bail backwards or they're going to try and tuck underneath it and run outside of it, which that's what the defense wants is for you to leave the pocket. So if, uh, 
I, I, I don't know how many of those pressures or, or sacks were actually Brock's fault, but some of them were. So to get back to the point, I think the pass protection with this offensive line is okay because, again, I think specifically Julian Jones, his, his best attribute is his athleticism. And athleticism and pass protection is a lot more beneficial than athleticism and run blocking. Um, granted, you want to be athletic in both, but yeah. the ability to get yourself back and settle yourself down takes a tremendous amount of athleticism um, to do it really well, and he does have that. So I think uh, the pass pro should be okay. It's just movement in the run game. If they can start generating mo- more movement in the run game, especially between um, Colin Colin and Kniffle, or if they can do th- those three guard to guard, that's where I think they can start. If they can start generating movement inside, then the run game starts to open up a lot more. I think, too, you can take some uh – I don't know what the right word is. Solace? Yeah, some solace in the fact that the best game that they played was their last one. You know, the Washington State mm-hmm. game, I think, is one that you can look at. They did give up three sacks, but at the same time, that they also averaged 5.1 yards per carry, which besides the West Virginia game, which I think was an outlier because that was just an absolute all-out domination. Yeah. Uh, in that, uh, that Washington State game, you were legitimately seeing them move people for, mm-hmm. like, the first time that I can really remember in a long time. Mm-hmm. And – Well, that's why in that West Virginia game, after, like, their first offensive series, I was like, damn, they might have something going today. Or the second one, I guess. Yeah. It, it, what's, the other thing that's, that's nice about this offensive line, talking about them improving consistently over the, la- over the season last year, um, what have they been able to do since then is practice against the best defensive line in the Big 12. Right. And so when you're trying – uh, we, we talk about angles and we talk about like, we take, like strength and strength and angle, strength and or leverage. Right. And so if I'm trying to move someone, Ray Lima is damn hard to move. Yeah. And so if I'm the, again, the, well, the, imagine me and Colin Newell, who's a 19 year old kid and he lines up for the first day of practice against Ray Lima. Right. And as a Richard sophomore, yeah, freshman last year. And if you look, you, you know, you look to your left and the guy that's there is smaller than the defense smaller than you yeah. and smaller than defense alignment that you're trying to block. Yeah. So, um, them being able to practice against that, especially guard to guard, you have guys like Jamal Johnson and Ray Lima that you're going against. And because uh, the defensive linemen with Eni and, and Bailey will play in at three techniques in down, down fronts. Uh-huh. And so you're going against those guys as well. So a guy like Eni, who is really long and athletic, that's a body type that you've gone against. You have a guy like Bailey who's really powerful and explosive. You've, that's a body type you've, get, you've gone against. And then you have a boulder of a human with Ray Lima, then that's a body type you've had to go against. And then a kind of a combination between Lima and Bailey is what you get with Jamal Johnson right. with really athletic hands but just bigger. And you have – He's quick too. He is. He's re- great hands. And so you have all of these body – these really good defensive linemen that you're going against – especially the guys that needed the most work, which again, I think is guard to guard. They, they have the capacity with the practice they get against this defensive line all year to work together against a good opponent. And so that's an iron sharpens iron situation that, you know, say the guy at, let's take TCU, because I think TCU is going to be rebounded better. They're, they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. And so you have TCU who's, who's going to have a good defensive line, but he ain't going to be Ray Lima. Uh-huh. That's going to be interior. And so you have that guy that you're going against. You've seen better competition. You've seen more active hands with Jamal Johnson. You've played against it. So now when you, you actually have to go out and do it, it's not unfamiliar. Right. It's practiced. So you've been able to do something better for a while. All right, last thing with the offensive line. Uh, of those five spots, which one of them or, you know, which ones do you think would be the most likely to be up for grabs where 
you know, a guy like Joey Ramos or a guy like Trevor Downing could step in and, and take some snaps. I would honestly think one of the guard spots. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. And I don't know which one, um, just because I think Downing is a guard. Yeah, I would probably wager to guess that the left guard spot, but that's just based on what, I mean, what I know about Kenneth Fall and Colin Olsen. Yeah. You know, I mean, you talk about with Colin Olsen being 6'1", 290, you know, Trevor Downing is a redshirt freshman at 6'4", 304. But it's still... Robert a- Hudson, who's listed as the backup for Olsen, 6'6", 335. <laughs> so I, I got, I've got to watch at least a couple practices um, uh, and watched film uh-huh. on them. And Big Rob, he, he's a freshman or sophomore? He'll be a, he'll be a sophomore. Yeah. He's, uh, he's six. This says six. he's a true sophomore. I don't think that's right. He's, though. uh, he's six, six. Oh yeah. He, he plays. Oh no, yeah. He's six, six. He plays at about six, eight. So his, his, uh, flexibility stands to improve. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that that's what they're working on though. Yeah. I mean, I think they and, knew and that. Most, though, I think they knew that tall, when he was coming in. Yeah. Most tall offensive linemen are going to have the same problem. Yeah. Uh, that's really the thing is getting them down. So having this huge tall guy, I mean, you're a tall guy yourself. Yeah. Imagine having to get your hip below mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm six foot. You're what? Six, six. Yeah. Six, six, six. So seven. imagine getting your hip below mine. You just have to hold that all the time. So you have to be strong and flexible to stay down there. And so taller offensive linemen have a little bit of a learning curve, just get themselves down. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say one of the guard spots. I think that was just from productivity last year. But, again, I think they'll go with what works best together, not necessarily, hey, this is the best lineman. So it might be that the communication between, you know, Good Jones and Olsen is perfect. And even if, let's say, Downing, because he's, you know, a little bit stronger. I don't know if he is. A complete shot in the dark. Let's say, hypothetically, Downing's a little bit stronger. Maybe he's a little bit better of a, a, a mauler of a run blocker, but he doesn't talk as well. Okay, well, then the guy that talks better is going to stay in. Um, so I, I would guess that it's going to be one of the guard spots, but I think that's just because I think a guy like Downing is probably close to playing. Um, or Joey, Rom- or Joey Ramos is, uh, he's one of the tackles, right? Yeah. But I, he's listed here as the backup left tackle for Julian Good Jones. I also wonder if they rotate at all. Yeah. Um, because they, they, I don't know how much they did it last year, but two years ago they actually did a pretty good amount of rotating to get people in and out. And they so have, I, they have that luxury now too, I think where they've got people that are with Ramos and Downing yeah. specifically, you have Cause guys that gets you to seven. Yeah. Cause that has, that has an interior guy that you can give a breather to and an exterior guy that you can give a breather to. Well, and you got Sean Foster still too. Right. That you, I mean, I think we all have our own thoughts on what he's been able Again, to do. It's, it's his, 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 yeah, le- it's his, his exact same flexibility. problem. He's he plays guy. really stiff. He's, he's tall. He's, yeah. he's six, eight or six, nine that plays at six, nine or six, 10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be – it's just crazy to look at this and look at the sizes of guys and think back to how it was, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah. I mean, just the sheer mass of the humans that they have recruited in the last several years mm-hmm. is kind of crazy, the difference from before. It's there's – no, There's no Pat Scoggins who's running out there at – 5'11", about 280. 5'11", 280, and, you know, he tried his ass off. So. Scrappy. Yeah. What was it, guys? Wendell, uh, Wendell Tyase. Wendell Tyase. What? He was six. He was like six, three, six, was four. Was he? He was big boy. Tyase, he was just, he was just a turd. Man, that offensive line actually wasn't that bad. That one that when Mike Warren was a freshman. That had. They couldn't pass block for nothing, but they could. Jamison was at center, I think. Yeah, Campos was the left tackle. Uh, Jamison Locke was at center. Tyase was a left guard. Yeah, um, Scoggins was the right guard. Oni Moyle was the right guard. Mike. 
Really? Was it? Like I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure Oni was the was one of the. That guards. might be right. Yeah. I think Oni was one of the guards. I remember Tyse playing one of those years though too. Tyse actually might have been the tackle, and Pat was the other. I actually think that JP Filbert was the other was the left tackle, and then Jake Campos was the right tackle. Okay. That's what I'm pretty sure it was. Because I'm for some reason I feel like JP Filbert could only play Did, left tackle for some reason. And it was was it Filbert? No, which one got basically essentially like fired? Oh, JP Fil- Filbert after yeah. the the U and I game, right. Matt Campbell's first year. That was the game when Chris wrote that they were the worst offensive line he'd ever seen in his life. JP was unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave well, it at that. I don't know if Chris has ever told that story. Do better. Uh, all right, you want to talk about the defensive line? Sure. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Football and random things on Cycle Fanatic Podcast Network. Hey guys, it's Williams. We'll get you back to your podcast here momentarily, but it's wanted to talk to you about eye care, of course, today. And my friends at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care, they meet your whole family's vision needs. And they did that to me about a year ago where I got in and had my first eye exam since my childhood. Dr. Kruger was like, what are you doing, man? You got to come in and get your eyes checked more often. And I'm glad that I did. They found some stuff. They got me these designer glasses that I wear when I work now, when I'm creating content for you at cyclonefanatic.com. It has decreased my headaches incredibly. Uh, It's been fantastic. I I didn't even know half the stuff that Dr. Kruger was telling me about. And I'm assuming if you're a middle-aged guy like me, you're probably in the same boat. Get in there to Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Personalized eye care, designer eyewear. They've got same day, same week appointments, and they are really good people. And they help support us here at CycloneFanatic.com, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. It's Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Welcome back to the Carl Chevrolet Studios. Don't let out that sigh. It wasn't a sigh. I was taking like a big preparatory inhale because i thought you were still like we were still in break so like the first thing people are going to hear is just me loading up the lungs for a nice big talk session on the defensive line i thought you were gonna sigh so i was gonna say am i I boring you jeff all right let's talk about the defensive line we know the cast of characters any ray lima jaquan bailey two of those guys give me the backups too two of those guys today named the to the All Big 12 preseason team, Ray Lima or Jaquan for the second time in his career. Uh, the backups, Jaquan's backup, Zach Peterson, played in eight games last year as a true freshman. Uh, behind him, Cordarius Bailey, uh, nose tackle, Jamal Johnson, obviously, mm-hmm. Josh Bailey, and then Isaiah Lee. I would expect Isaiah Lee to play more than quite a bit this season. Yep. Uh, and then it, for any. Matt Leo, obviously, started five games last year, 19 tackles, six tackles for loss. Tucker Robertson and Dan Sichterman. Um, the Peterson kid. Peterson it, kid can go. He's, he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a sophomore, junior? Yeah, I mean, they were tried to – they played him in his four games, and they are going to try and redshirt him, and then they were like, oh, crap, we need this kid on special teams. We can't redshirt him. Yeah, so he's going to be a sophomore? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's – uh, in, in, again, in the practices that I've watched – of uh, outside of the very obvious ones that we've already talked about, your four best linemen, and then Leo is probably your fifth, just because of the dudes. And again, he's a statue; he's, a, he's uh-huh. a human statue. But Peterson, I think, is the one of all the people that have played um, or will play that I got to watch. He's the one that excited me the most because he's got that um, the Jake Latimer scrappiness. Who? Where Peterson, oh yeah, where he's got that Latimer scrappiness. Where you're just, it doesn't matter where. If he may not be going in the right spot all the time, just because he's young, he doesn't have a ton of experience. But he also, um, 
is going to get there at full freaking speed. Like he, he's his, he plays with his hair on fire all the time. And as a defensive lineman, you have to, um, especially because he's he's a big kid, but he's not he ain't any right. So I, he's I know gonna he's have a, he's a Jay Jordan, uh, one of Jay Jordan's guys. Yeah, he's absolutely. I mean, it's the same same thing that we were talking about before. Is uh, it, having having him with the capacity to fly around the field uh-huh. is going to be, I don't know, really fun. Also because um, it's weird that Iowa State has depth yeah. on the defensive line. because And it's, it's a really underrated thing. Like, think about Brandon Jensen was a really good defensive lineman. But Brandon Jensen had to play like 75% of the snaps at defensive line. Eventually, you're going to get worn down by that. Well, yeah, I mean, I just remember how many injuries they'd have on the defensive line. Because the last couple of years of the Rhodes era. Just too many snaps. Play so many snaps. Well, and then they went to that. They went to the three-man. They had no defensive. They like they looked at it. They're like, we don't got any defensive linemen. We're just going to throw three out there. Mm-hmm. It's like then they didn't have any linebackers either. And then those same three guys, you know, you think about Jostin Thomas, Dale Pearson, and Damon Tucker played so many freaking snaps on the defensive line. And if they're – I mean, if – with a defensive line, if you're not able to rotate, yeah. um, long drives become significantly more dangerous. Uh, not because you can't throw a body in there, but it's the effort that you're going to have on... Like if, you have, if, you have, if your twos, your defensive line twos, are a significant drop-off from your defensive line ones. Well, yeah, take this. Listen to this. Matt Lee, almost every defensive line Iowa State has had in since I mean in quite a while yeah especially prior to uh, these three guys again assuming that Leo can his his brain has caught up yeah. his body but even then I mean in pure talent mm-hmm. freakishness yeah like they they more um, but also reacting takes more energy than acting right so as an offensive player as an offensive lineman I know where I'm going I know where I want you to go and I know when I'm going to start where if you're a defensive player, you don't know exactly when we're going to start the play. Uh-huh. You don't know where the play is going. And then you don't know where, I, where, you're, where I'm going as an offensive player. So you have to react and then counter that reaction all the time. So pushing someone is much less difficult than reacting to be, being pushed. So defensive energy um, will run out faster, which is why you'll see these hockey substitutions. Right. You know, you get a... Nine, you're on play number nine or play number 10 and all three defensive linemen run out and three more defensive linemen come in where offensive lines are just going to stay out there. Would offensive linemen like to tap out during that time sometimes? Sure, I'm sure they get gassed, but they also, uh, they know where they're going and they're the ones that can set the tempo. Right. And the other thing, again, energy-wise, speaking of tempo, is if I'm an offense and I start getting gassed because I'm the one that determines when I snaps the ball and I, we're starting to get a little bit winded, we can slow down. We can catch our breath. But defensively, if they start, if I'm a defense and I start to get winded, the offense is going to smell that like blood in the water and they're going to push. Yeah. And so they're going to get me more out of breath. So that's why defensive line depth is really big because when you get to the situations when you need to do that hockey line substitution, if I'm an offense and I know that you have... Uh, you know, your, your twos are a little bit, are, are significantly worse than your ones. I'm going to do as much as I can to just make you run. Like, I'm going to make your defensive linemen run their asses side to side, right. get them winded, get your twos in, then go downhill. And I'm going to make you, ha- I'm going to put your worst foot forward and I'll take advantage of it. Where Iowa State now, one, they have two out of their three starters are 
uh, first team All Big 12 nominees, and they might be the, they might not even be the best guys in the defensive line. Because again, I think Annie might be our best defensive lineman, and he's not even one of the ones that's been recognized yeah. as that first team. He just doesn't put up the numbers the same right. way. But I think that's because he's been he's trying to learn what he's doing a little bit. Yeah, but still, you know what I mean? Is you're you're three really solid defensive linemen, but yeah. then you substitute the next three guys in. And it's a step back because obviously they're not starters, but like you were talking about, it's still a really good defensive line. It's a solid defensive line. So if you're going to try and take advantage of getting my twos in the game and you're going to make us run side to side, you're going to make us run a lot of snaps, we're going to run screes and draws and stuff like that and make you turn around and do sprints. Okay, we'll toss our next guys in there. Now your offensive linemen are tired because you had to run side to side. We're fresh and we're better than you. Good luck. So having that depth at defensive line is more, I think for me, more important I'd rather have seven guys that are B pluses than two guys that are A pluses because you have the capacity to just, again, there is no weak link, weak link when you start trotting guys in there. Right. I think we can look at Jaquan Bailey in his career. and That's a huge turnaround. Man, this is one of those guys that this season I think everybody really needs to enjoy watching him play because mm-hmm. there will probably be more defensive ends that are good. I mean, I, the, stat, the sack numbers at Iowa State, like compared to a lot of other schools, are very, very low. But mm-hmm. for Jaquan to be the all-time leading sack, tied for the all-time leader in sacks, mm-hmm. going into his senior season, I mean, he's going to put that number well out of reach I, of, of anybody that you can at least imagine right now. Especially because of depth all the way around. Yeah. And so you're talking to, to not interrupt and hijack the conversation a little bit more and bring it back to that depth thing. But when... Damn it, Jeff. That's what I do. Hijack conversations yeah, know, on know, this podcast. That's what I do. Um, but what last year, when any got hurt and Matt Leo was substituted in there, I don't think Bailey got a sack for like a month, right? It was like four, three or four weeks where he got maybe one sack. And before that, he was at like six in four weeks. Well, that was the Texas Tech game when any got hurt, right? Yeah. Like right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah. They went from having seven sacks in back-to-back games to having two, one, one, three, two. And I don't think Bailey had any of them. Maybe had one. He had at least one, I think, in the Washington State game. But without because any yeah, had any had come back by that point. Right, but I don't ejected, remember but, when exactly he like got all this sex. Um, but still, w- the reason why you can do that is, and the reason why Bailey is now able to have success with this, and will again hopefully continue to have success like this, is because um, one, the creative pressures that Haycock can bring from this, because the, all the linebackers are good. You have four solid, three and a half, depending on what you want to call that star position. You have three and a half solid linebackers that can rush the passer, that can bring creative pressures to make the offensive line think. Uh-huh. But even still, you can most of the time, based on film, have a good idea where your four guys are coming from. If I know, so like when we played um, Adrian Claiborne, we would almost always zone to his side unless KO was on him. If yeah. KO was there, we could we could man-to-man KO and Adrian Claiborne because KO could at least hold his own. Man, what a one-on-one battle in the right? trenches. And whole lot of money made between those two dudes. But in if you flip to the other side, we had to zone that side yeah. because it was Scott Houghton. And Scott Houghton, he was a good ta- offensive tackle, but Adrian Claiborne was the number five overall pick, and he's been in the league for, what, seven years now, ten years now? And that type of... Uh, offensive or defensive line dominance where you have to change the protection to where they're going means that the other guy is always going to have freedom right if you have to switch to that because that means you know again maybe let's say we don't have ko on one side we have two good but not great tackles but you have to switch it to claiborne side whoever the other defensive end is is now almost guaranteed to get a one-on-one and so you with 
but that guy, that one person, that Claiborne, theoretically, is going to not have the same capacity to get that many pressures. Well, with this defensive line, because Any is the other one, and Lima's in the middle, and Johnson's his backup, and uh, Matt Leo, I don't, know, I, I don't know what his pass moves are now. They weren't great last year, but he's, again, freak. Uh-huh. But then you have these creative pressures they're going to be able to bring. But because there's balance across this defensive line, you can't give him the Adrian Claiborne treatment of shift it to his side, and then we're going to one-on-one your other average defensive end with our tackle. Nope, can't do that. Because if you one-on-one any, any's going to burn the dude's ass. Or, or you try and one-on-one a pressure in space, it's not going to work. So because of the balance this defensive line has, a guy like Jaquan Bailey is able to take advantage of potential one-on-one matchups because they're going to have to zone the other side. They're, they're going to leave him one-on-one spots, or they're going to be able to have to, to make these kind of creative pressures where they're, they're mollying a guard out, or then they're blo- blocking down at the tackle because of Ray Lima. And so you have these... The balance across this defensive line means that they have to respect all three of them, yeah. not just respect one of them. Well, and, it, and it's... All three of them could demand a double team at any time. Yep. You know, where, and I mean, think about how that is what is, has made it so easy for a guy who played quarterback and then shifted to middle linebacker and then came in and was an All American mm-hmm. as at the linebacker spot. And then now you, and then you, he graduates and you put a true freshman back there at the same spot. And then both of them, and then he was awesome, was a freshman All American. That's because of Ray Lima and the fact that on every play, you almost always have to give him two people, yep. you know? And, and, it, and that's where I think you can even see where those guys get sacks, mm-hmm. w- like Willie Harvey, you know? They, it's like, we can't worry about these three dudes back here because we got to worry about these three right in front of us. This is a really, I would love to have, de- like our CFTV, I would have loved to be able to do that, something like this and demonstrate how effective this is. We'll just when- wait until we got our set up mm. here. Then maybe you could do some mm. little drawings and stuff. Little doodles. Yeah. But when you have, when you've got three guys, imagine you have five offensive linemen, uh, and you're bringing a pressure like Willie Harvey. Uh-huh. That pressure is coming from outside of one of the defensive ends. As a defensive end, your job is to occupy the brain, maybe not necessarily the body, but occupy the brain of that tackle that he's looking at you. Because the space that the, the defensive end or the, def- the linebacker's playing with gives him the, the capacity to run around that tackle if the tackle sets a little bit heavy inside. Because of the danger, let's say, of any on one side, and they're bringing the pressure off of any side. I don't know if that's normally where they bring it from or not. But because of the pressure that any normally brings, and it's really hard to block him, that tackle has to think. His brain yeah. has to be on any Wazirike that if he doesn't set perfectly on him, then any will beat him. I do think that is where they send it from a lot of times, especially and like those delayed blitzes they would mm-hmm. do and stuff. I mean, think about the Kansas State game or even that West Virginia game when they had seven sacks. I don't, yeah, I don't a remember lot. if that came off of his side or the other side. Well, I remember specifically the Willie Harvey one did. When came he, off when any he side. came off and had the, yep. and then Mike Rose was able to, you know, take the ball and right. run it for a touchdown. But then that's what they did a lot with Lewis and Isworth, where both of them they would, would kind of just be sneaking up behind behind any. And then it was like almost right when any was hitting that guy, yep. then they're and, already scooting right so again, around him. So uh, to occupy the tackle's brain. Yeah. And so if you can occupy his body even better. So if you can, that rush then, th- and this just comes from being really good and knowing that it's not a fake. So like a basketball metaphor, if Shaquille O'Neal is standing 31 feet away from the basket and he pump fakes, you're like, 
frickin' go for it, man. I don't care. This, this is not a valuable fake because I know you're not capable of doing it in the first place. But if Shaquille O'Neal is two feet away from the basket and he pump fakes, you have to honor that because that's an area where he is da- dangerous. I think if Shaquille O'Neal had me two feet away from the basket, <laughs> at that point, I don't, one, I don't know why he'd be pump faking. And two, I think that I already would have got the hell out of there because I knew that I was going to have glass shattered down on my head momentarily. Uh, <laughs> true. You're, He's going to bring the hoop down on top of me. <laughs> you just run away from everything. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> uncle, it, uncle. It's, it's like, man, you got me buried. You're good. Just, you know, I'm going to pop back. I'm going to pop back here. It's like, hey, you got some popcorn here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, thanks, man. I yeah, appreciate this Gatorade you got. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. But you know what I mean? Where the, so, any now having the capacity to rush and be a threat to that tackle, uh-huh. when he does the, the technique that you should be using on a delayed blitz or bringing something there, is you're going to take a couple vertical steps to to pressure again, to bring that tackle's eyes and brain down on you because he's afraid of what you're going to do, then as soon as that tackle steps down, you disappear into the guard and occupy both the tackle and the guard. So you're getting the tackle to commit to you and you're occupying the guard. So neither one can play out in that linebacker. Then that linebacker, even if that tackle adjusts, his hips are committed to the defensive end and he can't adjust out fast enough because you have so much space and speed. That is capable to be done at any position. So if you're going to blitz a linebacker, just take the same thing. Defensive end is going to rush upfield. Let's say you want to blitz a linebacker in the B gap, that which is just outside the guard. So you're going to take the tackle upfield because your defensive end is going to run him outside, try and move the tackle out to give space. Then your defensive tackle is going to do the exact same thing that I was just talking about with the tackle and the guard. It's just with the guard in the center now, where you're trying to get that guard to commit to you, and then that opens space for that linebacker. So having a guy, you were talking about commanding double teams in pass protection and in run or pass protection for an offensive line and in run blocking, they need to be concerned with where they are all the time. And so when three guys can occupy five brains, then that opens space up for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So th- this defensive line, we were talking about it kind of joking before the before air. There's a legitimate way that you can say, or the legitimate reason that you can say this is the best defensive line unit from one to seven or one to six in the conference because there is three guys that are, again, I, I would be hard-pressed to say that assuming health, which, knock on wood, assuming health of these guys, I would be, all three should be all Big 12 first or second team right. at the end of the season. And if you have three all Big 12 players in defensive line and then behind them, you may have an honorable mention or two, depending on how Leo and Johnson play. And Peterson, I, th- I don't know if he's going to get mentioned this year in any type of something, but you have really good guys that are behind him. So you have this capacity for this really flex creative defense that have the core of everything being potentially your three best defensive players. Man, that's really tough to stop. That's really tough to stop. All right. Devil's advocate for one second. Okay. What would the scenario require for you to see this, the season for the defensive line being a disappointment? Or have we, or where we look back at it and we're like, man, we really got our expectations way too high. Um, I would say, and so I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know where this is going to happen. One of them's going to get hurt. It's just linemen are going to. Like last year, any pulled his groin or hamstring, whatever it was. It just happens. If you have a def- if you make it with, through an offensive or a defensive line season, like what was it, two years ago in Georgia, um, won the national title or was in the, in the national title game. I think they started all five offensive linemen for 14 games, which was astounding. So if you can make it through all of your games with guys totally healthy, now again, knock on wood, let's say those injuries are going to keep somebody out for four weeks. That if the start, if if the relief in those doesn't hold up and there's four, like when any got hurt and Leo had to fill in this year, there's a significant step down. 
if that, st if that step down again is the same significant step, that's when I think we can call it a disappointment or be a little bit let down because again, it's going to happen to somebody at some point, roll an ankle, whatever, something, keep them out, say a month, then that they have to be able to adjust and assume for that with this depth. So I think that's where it becomes a, is this going to be a disappointment or quote, what could make it a disappointment is an inability to handle some type of response to a bad situation. I think the starters, I really have confidence in those three guys uh -huh. that if they are healthy and, uh, you know, assuming that all practice continues to go as it should and they've been able to play together, I think those guys legitimately have a case, again, being the best defensive line in the Big 12. And the great thing about saying something like that with linemen is that linemen, line play is a lot less, oh, wow, this is different than, from week to week than it is where secondary players are linebackers because there's less to see. Yeah. With a, a nose guard, Ray Lima is going to see a center and a guard and a guard. And one of them's going to block, another one's going to help, the other one's going to leave. Like, that's going to happen pretty much all the time. And so there's not a whole lot of difference where a safety, you know, Eisworth is going to see a really fast slot receiver that can motion and then they motion a tight end and they run a wide receiver vertical and they run a running back on something. They're going to see all kinds of crazy just shit that you're not used to. Right. Where defensive linemen, generally speaking, outside of just having a freak on the other side, you know what you're going to get. It's, it's, you know, it's more or less, again, post-play in basketball where you, okay, this guy's big, he's physical, he's long. I know that I have to stay away from his length. Okay, got it. I know I played against a guy who I need to stay away from his length before. That kind of thing. Where it's just a it's a much more known commodity that you're going to be able to play. So projecting them being good is actually like the best way to neutralize length is to go into them. Hmm. A lot of times. That. Okay. Yeah. Good for them. But I mean like you're trying to push them back. Good. Cool. Create space for yourself. Didn't push know that. their arm. You kind of get in their chest, make their arms go down. Got Understand it. what I'm saying? Got it. For just next time you're playing. Playing in the post? Yeah. My six foot self? Yeah. Probs not my game. Probs not my game. Probs not. All right, man. Want to talk uh, the backfields next week? Sure. Quarterback, running back, and defensive backs? I'm down. Yeah. This is uh, th That unit is going to be fun because there's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot more speculation than the one that we just did. Yeah. The, well, at least the running backs for sure. Running backs for sure. How Purdy's going to do. Yeah. Who's going to be – what type of front or what type of defensive backfield are they going to be playing? Are they playing three again? Are they playing five, that 4-2-5 that and they roll somebody down? Like, what are they going to do back there? A lot, lot more uh, – that's a lot more speculation yeah. than this week. We'll talk about that all next week. Reminder, GuthrieRiverRecus.com. Promo code Cyclones. $15 off your tickets to the Guthrie River Ruckus july 25th through 27th if you're looking to buy a new car the best place to do it is carl chevrolet promo or not promo code cycle fanatic team store teamcloset.com slash cycle fanatic and as always our patreon uh i will talk to you guys again this weekend for the saturday podcast well i guess i actually have stands and fits stands and fits tomorrow we'll post it on thursday Saturday podcast on Saturday. We're doing something I think will be fun for the Saturday podcast. And then I've got a big project that I think I'm going to drop early Dang. next week. So everybody can uh, look forward to that. Hopefully I'll be able to put a trailer for it out at some point later on this week as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.